Welcome to Lombardi's Legends Podcast. It's Bane. I'm here with Wags. Wags, we're 1-0. We got Detroit this week. Um, looking forward to starting to break down what we should expect from the Detroit Lions in this Week 2 matchup. Yes, and uh, the Lions are, of course, coming off a loss in their home opener. Uh, they blew a lead late in the game to the uh, Mitchell Trubisky-led Bears, and so uh, they are certainly going to be looking to get into the win column this week, especially uh, after their first meeting last season in Lambeau, uh, when they probably feel like the Packers may have stolen one from them. I'm sure they've had this game circled on the schedule uh, for quite some time. Yeah, I think so, Wags. And this is a Detroit team that they've really played us tough the last few years. So, um I don't want to take anything lightly here. I know the Packers' offense looked really, really good last week. Frankly, some of the best football I've seen from that offense is an entire unit uh, for four quarters in some time. Um, but Detroit does give us headaches, whether we're on the road or it's at home in Green Bay. Um, I will say, though, that looking at this Detroit Lions team, uh, I'd like to take a look at their defense. Uh, they suffered a huge loss. Um, in the last game with Justin Coleman, their, uh, their cornerback went down. They put him on IR. They've been a little bit banged up there in the secondary. Uh, I was looking today. We're recording this on a, uh, on a Wednesday. And in addition to now Coleman not being there, um, was noticeable that Daryl Roberts also didn't practice today. Desmond Trufant didn't practice. Now they did get Jeff Okuda. Uh, one of the draft picks, he he was able to practice. But, Wags, there's potential here for a depleted Detroit Lions secondary. And uh, with what the Packers were able to put together in week one, I've got to think that that's really playing to Aaron Rodgers' strengths if some of those DBs for the Lions can't go. Absolutely. And, yeah, let's dive right into this. But this Packers offense, as sharp as they were overall in week one against the Vikings, and uh, with some of the potential injuries that the Lions are dealing with, uh, certainly it, it looks great on paper. But uh, this is going to be a significant uh, game in my mind for where this team is at and, and what we can expect from them this year. Uh, do we get uh, some consistency from that offense and another really good performance? Um, or uh, do we get some inconsistency and some drop-off despite what, as you're saying, on paper looks to be a favorable matchup. Uh, last year, uh, we had some inconsistency within games, and so now I'm going to be looking at very carefully this week, is this a Packers offense that can build off of that and keep on that role uh, and have some consistency uh, week to week against uh, what should at least be kind of a weaker uh, defensive unit in the Detroit Lions. Yeah, and – I'll be curious to see, Wags, um, home field advantage. How does that play out when there's no fans in attendance? Um, in week one, sticking with this Packers offense, Detroit defense, 
Aaron Rodgers was masterful, as he always is, um, with the snap count. And with that snap count, he was really able to draw some guys off sides. Now, this Detroit Lions team, after how they lost last week in week one to the Bears, they got to be pissed off. And um, I'm wondering if maybe Rodgers actually uses that to his advantage in week two. I got to think a guy like Trey Flowers on that defensive line um, and, uh, you know, Danny Shelton and some of these others are going to be amped up to, to get in the backfield in a hurry. And maybe Rodgers early on, even without the fans, there might be a lot of um, excitement, a lot of jitters for this Detroit Lions defense. And I'm wondering if Rodgers is going to be able to take advantage of maybe the Lions being a little bit too hyped. Um, and if Aaron Rodgers plays like he did last week, it's going to be hard for anybody to beat the Packers. But I, I would really like, to your point, for the Packers to be able to stack some success here in week two and continue to show that this offense is taking leaps and bounds in year two under uh, Coach LaFleur. Yes, absolutely. And I think one thing, um, and, and folks, just so you know, I did watch the entire uh, Lions-Bears game, so you're welcome uh, for suffering through that experience <laughs> for you all, uh, just so that I can provide you some uh, more in-depth uh, analysis of not just what's on paper, but what my eyes saw. And, and I've got to tell you, uh, even though the Bears struggled to put points on the board, uh, until the fourth quarter, they were really moving the ball uh, very effectively all throughout the game. It was more just them shooting themselves in the foot numerous times. And uh, so they were running the ball. They were passing the ball. Um, there were a couple of miscues uh, in those first three quarters that uh, that affected the Bears. They were like the Packers early against the Vikings. They, they had a couple of red zone opportunities that they squandered and had to settle for field goals. Uh, and then, uh, don't, uh, hold your, your uh, shock, Dane, but, um, a couple of drops, uh, or, uh, balls that, uh, ricocheted off the hands of Jimmy Graham, uh, that oh, kind of, I'm shocked, and I know Jimmy Graham ended up getting a touchdown in this, later in the, in this game and actually had another touchdown, uh, that got overturned because he was, uh, not able to keep him, his knee from touching down. Um, uh, that being said, uh, though, that, just gave me kind of some PTSD because I could see I saw how much that affected and was a drive killer uh, for the Bears and how much that probably affected the Packers offense last year to be honest with you so um, good evidence to Jimmy Graham I'll say that right now um, and so a anyway what I'm trying to say is that uh, this Lions defense really did not slow the Bears down at all they were moving the ball pretty much at will up and down the field for uh, most of the game, and then in the fourth quarter, they were finally able to, to convert and, and get in the end zone, and, and that was certainly a tipping point uh, in the game. Um, one thing that I did notice is that uh, the interior of the Detroit defensive line and, Dan and Danny Shelton and uh, Nick Williams, they while they didn't uh, per se get a ton of quarterback pressures or any sacks, uh, they were getting a pretty good push up the middle. Um, so that's something that could potentially impact the rhythm of Aaron Rodgers. We know that uh, sometimes he, last year especially, was throwing off his back foot a little bit, uh, moving around a little bit 
more um, than perhaps we'd like to see at this point in his career. Um, so he's going to have to stay pocket disciplined this week against this Detroit uh, defensive line. They're not known for necessarily getting a ton of sacks, but um, we've got Trey Flowers on that defensive line as well. Um, and he had a, a couple of, I thought, really good performances against the Packers last year. And with this depleted offensive line for the Packers, they're going to have to really uh, step up and be ready to go this week uh, in both the, the run game and the pass game uh, for the Packers to have that rhythm that they had offensively last week. I'm so glad you mentioned um, the offensive line here because that's really where my focus is um, and watching the injury report this week. We know, unfortunately, Lane Taylor done for the year with an ACL injury. Sounds like Billy Turner here on Wednesday was able to be a limited participant. I think that's really excuse me, good news. Um, sounds like Lucas Patrick as well, limited participant. That's really good news. Um, so I think Coach LaFleur proved pretty quickly when he kicked out um, Elton Jenkins last week that he thinks it's important to just have the five best offensive linemen out there on the field. So this week, Wags, I think it begs the question, all things equal, everybody is uh, healthy or as healthy as they're going to be um, outside of Lane Taylor. I got to think Billy Turner is going to get that start somewhere in the offensive line, but do you think he's he is the starter at right tackle and they go with Lucas Patrick at guard? Do you think they kick Billy Turner back in uh, to, to a guard position and they kick out um, Ricky Wagner? Um, am I missing something? Did John Runyon show something on tape? I mean, what do you think the Packers are going to do with this offensive line going into week two? Yeah, well, I think that's a really – big question. It, it depends on who's the healthiest, first of all. I think that's going to be the biggest factor. Um, clearly, Rick Wagner uh, probably wasn't, you know, still 100% health. He had limited uh, practice time in camp. So I, I think that was a big part of, of what happened last week. Um, that being said, um, I, I have to wonder, Dean, uh, I think sometimes actions speak louder than words. And I mean, effectively, Rick Wagner was not even the sixth offensive line, and Lucas yeah. Patrick was. And when I named my locks for the offensive line, Lucas Patrick was in the sixth as a non-starter. Um, so I, you have to really wonder uh, how close Rick Wagner was to potentially getting cut um, at the end of camp uh, if – this whole unit would have been healthy. I, so it's a really interesting question that we'll never know the answer to. But I would have to say, based on what we saw last week, um, look for Lucas Patrick to get the edge and, and probably be starting at guard. Um, and potentially uh, that puts Elton Jenkins out at tackle. Uh, and then, or I'm sorry, Elton Jenkins will be back at his normal left guard spot. Um, and then Billy Turner uh, could get pushed out to tackle. Um, but we've got a lot of options. I mean, who knows at this point, maybe they stick Elton Jenkins out there and, and, and uh, have Lucas Patrick at left guard and Billy Turner uh, back at right guard. Um, mm -hmm. So um, if there's any silver lining to what happened last week is, A, uh, the offensive line as a unit was able to adjust on short notice and actually perform pretty well given the, the rash of injuries that hit them. Uh, and B, now we've got a little bit of a better idea uh, of what those guys can do from a depth standpoint. Uh, John Runyon acquitted himself, I thought, very well in, albeit limited time late in the game. Uh, so you, 
you know, a live game reps are meaningful. And so that's got to feel a, a little bit better from that perspective that now you've got someone that uh, you can, you know that at least you probably feel a little bit more comfortable calling on uh, if need be. Mm-hmm. So um, if, if I had to give my prediction, I think we're probably going to see uh, Lucas Patrick get the nod and then we're going to have John Runyon and Rick Wagner uh as backups uh, to be ready if called upon, if need be. Um, and it'll be either Alton Jenkins or, or, or even um, uh, Billy Turner uh, getting the spot start again at right tackle. Wiggs, how fortunate are we that we have a second year guy in Alton Jenkins who we're like completely confident in being like, yeah, you could potentially be an all pro guard. However, we put you over at right tackle. You're going to lock that down too. I mean, it's pretty incredible. And I can't remember the last time I could really think of a guy that's really allowing this much flexibility across the offensive line. Well, yeah, absolutely. And this just goes to show why the front office has put such an emphasis on uh, positional versatility with this offensive line position. Um, boy, has that come to, to play uh, already just one game into the season. So uh, that's just uh, some great foresight by the, by Goody in this front office and, and really working with uh, this coaching staff to uh, fill out this roster with these types of guys uh, based on on what they need um, and, and understanding how valuable that can truly be in the big picture. Love it, Wags. Um, you think we can run the ball against this defense? I think we can. I think um, I was so impressed by the offensive line, but also the running backs in week one. I thought the Packers were at their absolute best, um, making it unpredictable on what they were going to do. A lot of different guys touching the ball. I know Coach LaFleur mentioned he'd like to see A.J. Dillon get a couple more carries, but I also think that he was absolutely – Please, <laughs> with the with how it, it turned out in week one, um, I got to wonder if the Packers were able to get up on some teams. A.J. Dillon might get some more touches, but um, I thought that this was a really good balance in week one. Everybody was fresh. Everybody had their opportunities, and everybody ran the ball really smooth, really well. Um, so I looked for the Packers to set the tone offensively by running the ball. Uh, that's what they want to do, uh, but – the Packers showed last week that these wide receivers really can make a difference, and maybe the national media was a little quick to bury the front office and the receivers that were already on the roster. Yeah, uh, I think the Packers are definitely going to be continue to emphasize the run, set up that play action. It will be interesting to see what that balance is. Now, they threw the ball 44 times in week one, so uh, they were a little bit more in that 60 60- percent to 40 percent pass to run ratio Uh, and uh, you pointed out some potential deficiencies in this Lions secondary so I wouldn't be shocked if they uh, try to exploit that and continue a similar ratio this week Uh, that being said the Bears uh, while they didn't pile up a ton of yards in week one they were very effective moving uh, the ball on the ground, and, and I think the Packers can be too. Uh, in fact, you know, it's it's one of those things where, um, you know, they're two different teams, but um, the Bears and Packers have 
some similarities in that a guy like a Cordero Patterson could be that um, um, uh, Tyler Irvin type role in terms of he got a few carries in week one and and, and uh, was able to get some yards. But the Bears averaged five and a half yards per carry uh, last week against this Lions defense. Uh, so I so see no reason why the Packers uh, shouldn't try to get that ground game going again this week. And I, I see no reason why they shouldn't be successful against this Bears front. Good points, Wags. Let's switch gears to the defensive side of the ball for the Green Bay Packers and, and Detroit's offense. I, um, I think all eyes were on. Real quick, AJ. I'm, I'm sorry, real quickly, and I, I don't mean to interrupt you, but I think we need to just touch on a couple of things on the pass game for the Packers. Um, I wanted to pose you a question. Sure. Do you think this is a week where we see the tight ends try to get a little bit more involved, or uh, do you think the Packers might just try to continue what worked in week one and, and really just lean on this uh, trio of wide receivers um, and uh, continue that as, as the primary targets that we get in the pass game? That's a great question. And, um, you know, what they did in week one, I, I was really fascinated by it. Um, if you look at some of the snap counts in particular, Wags, um, you know, you look across the board and at, at tight end, um, Tunyon got a ton of run uh, he actually uh, out snapped everybody else across the tight end group he had 48 snaps Mercedes Lewis came in second DeGuara had 24 and I thought he made some impact uh, on that big crack block where uh, where two guys went down I believe it was on a I can't recall if it was Lazard or Irvin run uh, on one of those uh, quasi-jet sweeps that was Josiah DeGuara our rookie third round pick who wiped out two uh, Minnesota Vikings defenders last week. Um, so, you know, you had it on that front, and then at wide receiver wags, really they went three wide out. They didn't go four wide out. Malik Taylor was the fourth wide receiver up. He only got one snap on the offensive side of the ball. Um, I think that Coach LaFleur is going to look to continue to be unpredictable. There, I think this is a really creative offense, and I'm not looking to drag Mike McCarthy right now, but I will say that in the later years, uh, you and I could probably both predict the first 15 plays in a script uh, under a, a Coach McCarthy offense. And if you and I can do it, I imagine professional defensive coordinators could do it as well. Coach LaFleur, week one, I had no idea what was coming next. Uh, one jet sweep, I was like, okay, there it is. And then they did another one, and it was effective. And then they did another one, it was an, eff- it was an effective play. Um, they were doing things, I thought, a little bit more interesting. Uh, Rogers able to dump the ball off to running backs. I look for him to continue to be able to mix in with uh, the running backs, find that check down guy. But, yeah, Wags, in week two, um, it could be kind of a potpourri, so to speak. I think part of it depends on – uh, how banged up the secondary for Detroit truly is. If they are down two or three cornerbacks, um, they're going to look to hit some home runs. I expect the Packers once again to look towards MVS. Um, uh, kind of an up-and-down game for him, but much b- better than he's been. Probably the best game of his career, Valdez Scantling. And uh, I look for Rodgers to continue to seek him out on some of those deep balls, maybe some miscommunication from the Detroit secondary. And then, yeah, at tight end, I'd like to see Tunyon get mixed in, but really what was most telling from that tight end group, Wags, uh, and again, one week to base it off of, was Jay Sternberger truly was the number three tight end. He was listed that way uh, on the depth chart, but 
Kanyan getting a ton of snaps, then Mercedes Lewis, um, Sternberger not getting a ton of reps on the offensive side of the ball, um, only 12 snaps on offense. So uh, I'd like to see him continue to get mixed in as well if he's able to earn those snaps throughout practice because I do think he can be a difference maker. I really like his hands. Uh, I like what he was able to do late in the season last year in the blocking game. Uh, so the Packers are moving Sternberger in slowly in year two, but I think he can still be a guy as this season progresses who can make a difference, find some soft spots in opposing defenses, and move the chains for the Packers. Yeah, absolutely. It will be interesting to see uh, what role Chase is able to carve out for himself. I mentioned earlier, actions speak louder than words. Uh, I think perhaps we may have been putting too much on uh, expectation-wise, Jay Sternberger. Uh, and I'll t- <laughs> I, I mean, I'm not going to try to read into this too much, but he was effectively the fourth tight end. Um, you know, he's, he's listed as the number three, to your point, but uh, by snap count, he was behind Josiah as well. So, um, so number four tight end in terms of snaps. And I don't know. Um, it's interesting. Maybe we're taking the wrong angle on this because the Packers drafted him last year. He had kind of an injury riddled year one, and then they went out and drafted another tight end in the third round. Perhaps that that says something a little bit too, and I am not trying to be negative on the guy, but uh, he's not had. I thought he came on really well late in last season, so I'm a little bit surprised that he wasn't able to earn uh, more opportunity uh, right away in week one. But we'll keep an eye on that. I think over the next few weeks and see how that goes. I, I do. I do think this could be uh, a chance to maybe get a few more targets. Now they're never going to. Aaron's never going to force targets to anyone, uh, but um, in maybe some of those short yardage or red zone situations, that's where having a tight end uh, as an option can really make a significant difference. So it wouldn't be a bad idea to perhaps try to get one of these guys involved in some of those situations. Uh, and uh, that, I think, can give the defense another uh, you know, look to have to be concerned about. Uh, in addition, they're just a big target. So um, I, if that's Mercedes Lewis or if that's Robert Tunyon or if that's Sternberger or DeGuar, it doesn't really make too much of a difference to me. Uh, but I would like to see if that's a, a wrinkle that they try to uh, you know, pull in uh, this week. So, Dane, with that, uh, I think you summed it up pretty well. Let's let's move over to the defense then. Um, and I, I think uh, one of the things uh, that, for me, that's going to be a really big key this week is uh, how are, is this secondary group able to respond uh, after I thought they, you know, I, I know on Sunday night I said that I gave them a little bit of a pass because they were ahead by multiple scores in the second half. Uh, that said, I, I think, there were a few miscues uh, that we need to get cleaned up, and uh, particularly I, I'm looking at Darnell Savage. I thought graded out a little bit lower than I'm sure he would have liked to in that week one matchup. So um, I, I really attribute that more to perhaps some uh, communication miscues, and he, he took – he had a couple of plays where he may have misread uh, what the offense was was uh, coming out and doing. So he can clean that up. I'm not terribly concerned about that, but he is going to need to make sure that he cleans that up a little bit more. And then the secondary as a whole in week two, uh, because the Lions have some guys that can hurt us, um, especially if Kenny Galladay is ready to go this week. Uh, and then uh, what I saw from TJ Hawkinson, uh, does concern me quite a bit uh, this week uh, when we look at the Detroit pass game. 
Hawkinson, Wags, I think a lot of people were sleeping on him going into this season. I think people forget he was, uh, if I'm not mistaken, he was like a top 10 pick last year from Iowa. Iowa knows how to make tight ends, uh, no doubt about that. And he had an injury plague uh, second half of the season for Detroit. They also were without a guy named Matt Stafford, a guy we know can sling the ball. He can get hot. Um, so I'm with you. Uh, Kenny Galladay did not practice today on Wednesday. That doesn't mean he can't go. He was doubtful last week uh, before uh, ultimately being ruled out. Uh, Weggs, Galladay is a talent and a half. There's no doubt about it. Um, even a guy like Danny Amendola, Marvin Jones, those guys are just pros, right? Those are pros, pros, that wide receiver that have hung around in the league for a long time. And now Detroit has... One of a very familiar foe to us and for the entire NFC North, uh, Adrian Peterson in Detroit, uh, along with Carrion Johnson and DeAndre Swift. Um, so Detroit has a lot of individual talent, I think, on the offensive side of the ball. Um, question is, um, some of these guys are new faces. Um, Galladay not being there, I think, really hurts their, their offensive approach because that means you've got a guy like a Marvin Jones who I think is really a, a phenomenal number two option. He's not your number one option. Um, so if he becomes your number one, I think it makes it a lot more difficult for Detroit, particularly when we have Jair Alexander and Kevin King, who are both playing football at a very high level right now at the cornerback position. Uh, I think the safeties need to clean it up a little bit. Um, but there's mismatches here and there. Tight ends have been a pain for us in the past. Uh, but Wags, hopefully Raven Green is healthy this week and we can mix him in to help shadow TJ Hawkinson. I think Will Redmond did a really nice job in week one, kind of playing that dime linebacker role. But I know we'd like to also have Raven Green back. Uh, I think that he adds another dynamic to our defense. And then uh, Christian Kirksey, who, uh, wow, talk about an athlete in the middle of our defense. Uh, he might even have an opportunity to drop back into coverage a little bit too. So I think the Packers are going to be able to give an awful lot of different looks to this Detroit Lions offense. And uh, I think that we're going to be able to overwhelm Matthew Stafford overall. Now he's going to get his wag. Stafford always seems to be able to get his. And I don't think that this is a cakewalk by any stretch for the Packers. But I look at the roster for Detroit, I look at the roster for Green Bay, and I think that our defensive unit lines up well against Detroit's offensive unit, and I think that we can do enough things to, to make it a long day at the office for Stafford and company. I love your optimism. <laughs> I do. Um, I have to tell you, my concern level for this week is actually surprisingly high. <laughs> um, and I, I, you're absolutely right on all of those counts. Uh, here's where my concern is. They've got a stable of talented running backs. Um, and I thought Adrian Peterson actually gave them a huge spark in, yeah. in last week's game. Uh, he looked really good. I, and, and that was surprising to me. His, he just looked like he had fresh legs. And so uh, he, he, he was able to be really successful. Actually got 14 carries uh, for 93 yards in week one uh, against the Bears. And, so that was a surprise to me, but I will tell you, watching him, he definitely popped up uh, on tape. And uh, you mentioned Amendola. You know, I think one of the things that uh, Hawkinson does is with his emergence, he only had five receptions, but it felt like a lot more than that. I got to tell you, when you've got guys in Hawkinson and Amendola and you put those two together, uh, the way that they can pick you apart a little bit in that short yardage passing game over the middle, this is going to be a really big early test uh, for Christian Kirksey and what he's able to give us 
uh, from that second level in the pass defense. And then you mentioned Raven Green. If he's able to go, we've got Will Redmond. Um, I'm fully confident in all of these guys. I think uh, Savage will bounce back. I've got a ton of confidence in Amos. So it's not a, a confidence level, but uh, they've, they've got uh, some some matchup headaches potentially, uh, particularly if they can get this run game going if Kenny Clark's unable to go. So um, there, there's there's guys that can be some some matchup problems here for the Packers. And I, my my biggest concern this week is if they're doing this short pass game and they're running the ball effectively, that really takes some of our defensive line and edge guys out of the mix a little bit and they're not able to do what they need need to do uh this this is potentially going to be a frustrating week um so uh, i would love to see this defense just come in and just overwhelm and shut these guys down and get them off their rhythm but if we're not able to to slow down uh these two guys and hawkinson and amidola in particular uh, this, that's going to be a, a real issue for this Packers defense, uh, potentially, uh, in being able to get off to the field. Yeah, Wags, let's talk about Kenny Clark. You mentioned him uh, here, and uh, definitely a blow. Uh, one of our best defensive players. It sounds like a groin injury. We don't know much else uh, about the severity of it. Uh, you and I talked a little bit offline right before we jumped on here, and uh, I think the good news, if there is a good news to this right now, is the fact that um, with the, the changes of rules with COVID, um, you can put guys on short-term IR three weeks, uh, which really isn't that long of a time, and uh, Kenny Clark has not been placed on that IR so I think that the best news we have to go off of right now is doesn't necessarily mean he's playing this week. Uh, however, uh, it doesn't. The Packers, at least right now, don't see this projecting to be a long, long-term injury, and hopefully, he's going to be back in under three weeks. Yeah, I, that, I sure hope so. I mean, one of the things that um, we've got to keep an eye on is uh, Montrevious Adams was also inactive in Week One. Uh, so is he someone that's going to be ready to go this week? And, you know, this is already a thin defensive line group. Um, what would be interesting to see is if they feel like they can shuffle some guys around. I, I, do you feel like with, with, uh, Tyler Lancaster and, um, and, um, uh, Kinsey, I'm sorry, Kingsley Kiki, um, uh, those two guys can give you a bunch of reps inside. Uh, do you feel like uh, a Preston Smith or a Rashawn Gary might be able to rotate inside in certain down and distance situations uh, if Kenny Clark is unable to go and if Montrevious Adams is still uh, inactive here in week two? Because they may need to be a little bit creative, uh, and hopefully that doesn't, you know, uh, cut them off at the knees, so to say, uh, in trying to defend the run. Uh, but do you feel like that's a realistic option uh, for being able to be successful against this Lions team? I do. Yeah, Wiggs, I do. I think that uh, there's potential the Packers are able to expand their defense by two, or excuse me, expand their roster by two um, to 55, which uh, we saw them do last week with uh, Lei and uh, with Lovett. And this week, I gotta wonder if the Packers, uh, call up somebody like a Willington Prevalon, uh, defensive tackle, and maybe he also comes and chips in, uh, or if Montrevious is, you know, back and, and healthy this week. But, um, last week, looking at the snap totals, really fascinating with Clark only getting 15 snaps because of injury. 
Dean Lowry played 39 snaps a ton, but actually Kingsley Kiki came in second with 29, and then Tyler Lancaster after that with 23. Um, I do think, though, and I really like what you said about Rashawn Gary. Um, the Packers' defense this year, I think the big difference, or one of the major differences we're going to see, is that they're really going to try their best to get both Smith and Rashawn Gary on the field at the same time. Uh, I thought that they were really productive uh, last week with doing that. Um, the, the sacks that came uh, last week had all three guys on the field. Rashawn Gary, although didn't get a sack, had a couple uh, recorded hits on Kirk Cousins, and they were moving him all over the field. Um, Wags, I think that the Packers love what Rashawn Gary's doing, and I think that one of the reasons they drafted him so high is because, A, he's an incredibly hard worker uh, who had a huge potential, but, B, I think they really like how flexible he can be. We talk about the offensive line and how flexible some of those guys there are, but I think Rashawn Gary on this defense, we can see his hand in the dirt. We're going to see him standing up. We're going to see him a few yards behind line of scrimmage, at the, you know, or on the line of scrimmage a few times during this game. I think Rashawn Gary's about to earn his wings in week two. Whether Clark's able to go or not, Gary's going to get a huge dose against Detroit. Yeah, absolutely. And and kind of just looking at the inside linebackers, um, it was primarily Christian Kersey, and you were very complimentary of him in our uh, Instagram post uh, game. Uh, and Chris Barnes uh, didn't get a ton of snaps, but I mean, I thought he really made a pretty pretty good impact in, in the snaps that he was out there. Uh, it will be interesting to see. Do you feel like he might get another opportunity this week, even if Raven Green's ready to go? Yeah, I do, Eggs. Uh, it's a great question. I, I think Chris Barnes proved and earned more snaps. Um, I, I don't like to prognosticate too far in advance, but at some point, Kamal Martin's going to come back. And at some point, I don't think the Packers are going to be carrying five inside linebackers. Ty Summers is also on this team. I think that Oren Burks um, had the fact that the team just, they clearly aren't trusting him right now. Um, and, and even to the point where they call up Chris Barnes a couple days later from the practice squad. He's starting for the Packers defense in week one. Um, it doesn't bode well, I don't think, for Oren long-term, but sticking to this week and week two, um, Kirksey, I thought, played like a monster. And then Chris Barnes just, wags. he earned the snaps, right? You, you mentioned how Hawkinson for the Lions, he had only had five catches, but it seemed like more. Chris Barnes only had 15 snaps, but didn't it seem like more? <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, he was able to pile up uh, several tackles uh, in those 15 snaps, so he was getting his nose right in the football, and uh, yeah, I thought he acquitted himself very well, and to be honest with you, that come out of, came out of nowhere, didn't it? Because I don't think anyone realized that uh, when he got called up that he was actually going to play, let alone start, so uh, that was a, a very nice positive surprise uh, coming out of week one. Uh, no doubt about that. So, um, Dane, uh, what are some other keys? Do you have anything else? I mean, um, I, we, we always are looking for turnovers, and, and Matthew Stafford in week one, true to form, uh, you know, he can be a, a very, very much a rhythm quarterback. I, I throw him in there uh, with a guy like uh, Philip Rivers, who can be, I think you said earlier, very hot and cold. Uh, but if he is able to get comfortable and get in a rhythm 
we've seen him, uh, you know, really be a pain in the Packers' side, but we've also seen where he's not comfortable and not in the rhythm, and that can be uh, the type of game where things can really tilt in the Packers' favor. Um, and he had a costly turnover uh, in the late in the game against the Bears. Uh, tried to force the football in, uh, in 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 what really wasn't a situation where they necessarily had to get a first down. They're up at the time by three points. He ends up turning the ball over on their side of the field, trying to squeeze it in to a tight window. Uh, and the Bears are able to go back and quickly get seven points uh, and take the lead. So uh, he sometimes will give the uh, opposing defenses those opportunities. Uh, if, if the Packers are able to take advantage of that uh, opportunity when it comes to them this week, that could be something that could be a significant factor in this game as well. It's great insight, Wags. I, I couldn't agree with you more. And the, the key word is comfortable or maybe uncomfortable. The Packers need to make him uncomfortable. Um, we need to get the Detroit Lions into some third and less than manageable situations, some third and, and eights, some third and longs. Um, I think that our pass rush, uh, even if we're not sacking Matt Stafford, if we're able to just, you know, misdirect, um, start to hit him a little bit, start to make him get happy feet. That's when we see Matthew Stafford make those poor throws is when he starts to feel the heat. And then sometimes with him in particular, we've watched him enough, right? You're right. When he gets comfortable, he's as good as anybody in the league. The problem for him is uh, when he's not comfortable, he starts to see ghosts. And he starts uh, throwing the ball places he shouldn't be throwing them, even when he's not feeling the pressure. So I think the key here is if Zadarius and company are able to get to him, and if the Packers can draw up some um, some creative plays to get the defensive backs involved, linebackers, uh, you know, uh, coming off the edge or through the middle, and just start to make Matthew Stafford feel the heat feel the pressure a little bit, I think that that's going to put him at a disadvantage the rest of the day. Now, if Matt Stafford rolls out there in the first couple quarters is flowing and starts making some completions, that's where I start to get nervous because then he's confident in himself he's going to make those throws. So if we can go ahead, get him hit early, get him hit off, and just get in those passing lanes, get the hands up, uh, I think that the Packers defense is going to have a lot of success. And, and generally late in games then, we can have Matthew Stafford maybe miss a throw, We'll try to force a ball, it becomes a turnover, um, or maybe even get a you know strip sack, do what we do. Um, but I expect the Packers' defense to try to get some turnovers early in week two. Yeah. Do you think, I know as fans, it's always, we need to blitz more. <laughs> that seems to be sort of the uh, a mantra at times, when, especially when the defense starts giving up chunk yardage or points. Uh, we're not being aggressive enough, or we're too vanilla, or, you know, we're just giving up, uh, you know, we're giving the offense too many opportunities to get that rhythm and get comfortable. Um, it, it could be fair to point out that Kirk Cousins seemed to get a little bit of a rhythm late in the game last week. Uh, and so do you think that uh, Mike Patton and the defensive coaching staff uh, might uh, throw in a few more wrinkles and, and be a little bit more aggressive and dialing up uh, uh, some, some called uh, run blitz or pass blitz uh, packages for week two? Oh, totally, Wags. I, I thought um, as frustrating as a couple of those plays were against uh, the Vikes in week one, particularly that, that feeling long one in the fourth quarter that just I didn't quite understand how that happened. Um, I think that you're up. The Packers controlled that game 
more or less from like midway through the first quarter through the end of the game. It was a pretty dominating performance. Um, Packers were able to get out to the lead. Um, you know, that, that long play at the right near the end of half was huge for the pack too. Um, but really that second half, I don't think that Coach Petten and company really would have benefited all that much from dialing up something and showing some other looks uh, just to what made, pad the stats a little bit. I, I think the, the Petten was comfortable with how Aaron Rodgers and the offense was moving the ball, uh, that they did get a little vanilla, but they also didn't put any tape on the uh, on the uh, 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 any film tape there for the Detroit Lions or other teams to look at. I think that Petten week-to-week schemes differently depending on who they're playing tries to play to the Packers strengths and to the opposing offense's weaknesses but yeah legs I think in week two Patton's a smart coach um took us to an NFC championship game last season and uh, I don't think aggressiveness was the issue in that game it was we couldn't stop the damn run but I think in week two against Detroit um, when we need to dial it up, I'm really confident that Petten will do it, especially I think he has more pieces right now in this defense than maybe he's ever had in his career, looking over some of the past teams he's had. This defensive team is really built to uh, to Coach Petten's uh, mindset, and uh, I think that he's kind of got chess pieces all across all three levels of this defense at this point, and I expect for him to continue to open it up as the season progresses. Yeah, fair enough. I think you answered that well. Um, I was just playing the devil's advocate there. I totally agree with you. Um, it, it should be pointed out that this defense was really what, what won us a lot of games last year because um, our offense was uh, inconsistent where we would get ahead and then all of a sudden we couldn't move the ball uh, in, the, in the third or fourth quarter. And we're sitting there clinging to a lead and the defense seemed to be the unit that was coming through more often than not, particularly early in the season. So um, I, I have full confidence to, that they will come through when they need to. Uh, I just thought I would pose the question because I know that that's got to be on the mind. And I heard in, in some of the Packers post game, <laughs> some fans <laughs> like, you know, no offense uh, to some of our fellow Packer fans, but it's it's like some of you won't be happy unless we win every game 48 to six. Um, I have to tell you that uh, just, Take the take the good. I mean, it looked great last week, um, and you would think that they would have lost by twenty points the way some people were grumbling. About <laughs> uh, so cool it. All right, like uh, I'm sorry to call folks folks out, but uh, it's all good. We looked great last week. Uh, so in any event, I I, I agree with you. I, I think um, if they need to, they can dial it up a little bit. Uh, that kind of goes to my concern factor though this week is if the offense isn't quite as much on a roll as uh, we saw in week one can this defense come through um, and uh, perhaps pick us up a little bit if need be so uh, we'll see how this plays out Uh, but in any event um, it will be interesting to see here I think it's time to get into predictions though Uh, before we do that though Dane uh, we want to continue to look at x factors so Offensive and defensive X factors. Um, who are you looking after this week? That's a good question, Wags. Um, offensively, X factor. You know, it's hard when the Packers mix in so many offensive players in Week One. You start to go, well, who's that guy this week? Um, I think that in Week Two, we're going to see Tyler Irvin's first touchdown as a Green Bay Packer. Um, Lafleur really likes uh, Irvin. Clearly, uh, they've mixed him in. He's kind of been the de facto. Um, 
wide receiver at times with how they've lined him up as well. Um, I think that Irvin, uh, I say it every week, I'm going to keep saying it, shot out of a cannon when he touches the ball. So offensively, Wags, I'm going to go with Tyler Irvin. He's going to, um, he might not get 15 touches. Actually, he's not going to get 15 touches, but he might get four or five. And if he's able to get four or five good touches out of that, he might be able to bust the game open with a long run. Okay, I love it. So do you have a defensive X factor, or is this one my call? Go with offense first, and I need to think about the defensive one for a second. <laughs> okay, well, I, I'm not going to try to do both another offensive, so I'm just going to jump right over to the defensive Go to side defense. of the ball. Yeah, yeah and, and you know who I'm going to I'm gonna run with? And we saw, obviously, you know, Jair Alexander, Jair Alexander I'm sorry, uh, doesn't really count as an X factor to me. We expect that he's an impact player every week. And clearly he was the impact player of this defensive unit uh, last week. Uh, but I'm going to go with another guy in this uh, defensive secondary. Um, and I'm going to, I'm going to pick Chandon Sullivan this week as, as an X factor. Um, he was out there for quite a few snaps as the started nickel corner. Uh, and I think that we could see him force turnover, whether that's an interception or a uh, force fumble this week. I think he's going to come up with a big play uh, that's going to swing things back in the Packers' favor. Uh, and so I really look uh, – I really, really love uh, what Shandon's been able to give us. Uh, you don't hear his name called too often, and that's a good thing. Um, so he, he, I thought, had a really, really good week in week one, and I think he's going to stick his nose in there uh, and uh, make a uh, difference-making play here in week two. I love it, Wags. I love it. Uh, I, you know what I'd really like is I'd like one of our pick sixes to come to fruition one of these days. Week two is showtime. <laughs> I know that. Uh, I'm not going to go back to last season and start predicting a pick six every week. Um, I'm just, uh, I think I might have jinxed him, so I'm just going to uh, celebrate whenever it happens because I do firmly believe uh, that we will get a pick six or two, hopefully, uh, or more, uh, perhaps. That would really be something at some point this season. I love it. I love it. Um, Wags, let's hear some score prediction. I, I love our score predictions. You, uh, if I'm not mistaken, had the, uh, the, the kind of the, uh, the difference in, in point total, if I'm not mistaken, from last week. So I give you the honors as you were far closer than I was in week one. <laughs> well, uh, yes, I was right on with the margin of victory. I don't know if I could take full credit for how they won because I thought it was going to be a little bit closer than it was. Um, but I did say I would absolutely take uh, a two touchdown uh, lead and, and uh, they make it close at the end. So um, I don't know. I was sort of hedging my bets a little bit. But uh, this week I do expect to be a little bit closer than I think uh, uh, fans uh, and fellow Packer fans would like. Um, I'm going to predict the Packers win. However, I think uh, they're going to have to scratch this one out again, unfortunately. I'm a little bit concerned that uh, that we keep that high level of play uh, from the get-go uh, in week two. Um, I know we're coming home to Lambeau. Uh, this is a Detroit team that's given us a lot of trouble. Uh, even uh, last year, we got two wins, but um, they, it could have gone the other way. They They, they beat us both times uh, two seasons ago. Um, so I, I'm, I'm really hopeful uh, that uh, th this Lions team has the Packers 
full attention and that we come in and, and roll like I, you might be predicting. But I'm going to go with a closer than expected win, um, and uh, we're going to stick at uh, 27 to 23 uh, with the Packers, uh, not quite covering the spread, uh, but uh, pulling out a victory. Hey, Wags, I'll take that. I'll take that. Um, I, 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 uh, I also. I, I know you're going to be shocked. Sit down. I also have the Packers winning this week. Um, <laughs> I, I, I have the Pack offense uh, putting up slightly more points. It's still a close game at the end of it because it's Packers Detroit. But I think that the Packers play a really nice complete, or maybe not a fully complete game, but the Packers build off of Week One. It's going to be a fight. It's not going to be a you know whistle to whistle. Packers are in control the entire game. However, I think the Packers are just the better team. Packers 34, Lions 26. The offense continues to roll, um, but, but you know, the, the defense gives up some to Stafford, even actually early, but I think they start to clamp it down late. The offense, Lions just can't keep up with Aaron Rodgers, who for a second week in a row is rolling against a slightly depleted Detroit Lions secondary. Okay, I really prefer your prediction, especially if that margin is because the Lions, kind of like the Vikings, score a late touchdown to make it a little bit closer. Uh, so uh, here's to hoping your prediction is closer to the reality. Either way, we will take a win uh, any way we can get it. Um, so uh, hopefully the Packers are able to come out and uh, put together another solid performance and do enough to come away with a victory. Wags, how big of a deal is it if we can go 2-0 and against division rivals? Huge, huge, huge if we can do that, if we can start off 2-0 and against teams in the NFC North. Just like last year, getting out to that early start, you know, it's only one game, right? But uh, absolutely, uh, especially against the division, it, 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 with one of those being on the road, and I get it, there was no fans in Minneapolis last week, uh, but now we've got to protect our home turf. Uh, by the same token, uh, we can't allow the Lions to come in and steal one. That would be, you know, a real disappointment, uh, no doubt about that. Uh, we might expect this to be a hard-fought game, but it would definitely be a disappointment if Detroit's able to come in and steal a victory. Yeah, I, I agree. It is one game. The sky will not be falling if things don't go the way we want them to on Sunday. However, if we can get out and, and, and take care of business here week by week, there's a little something extra when you beat a team in the division, especially when it's our division, which I feel like year in and year out gets decided late in December. Yeah, and hopefully, you know, you don't want to look ahead, but, you know, the schedule is going to get a little bit more difficult uh, in the ensuing weeks. So, um, you know, as fans, we can look ahead a little bit. Hopefully the team doesn't get caught up in doing so. So, um, Dane, I think that just about wraps it up. Folks, uh, one thing I want to point out from a house cleaning uh, standpoint is we are going to just, at this point, Dane and I are just planning to do a preview on the podcast, and we are going to do our recap and uh, reactions on Instagram Live. So we really, really enjoyed uh, jumping over to that channel, uh, A, because uh, it just uh, allows you guys to see our mugs uh, on the Instagram video, but also because uh, we really just loved uh, having that uh, instant uh, uh, engagement. So if you're available on Sunday nights and you want to pop on with us live, 
um, absolutely check us out on Instagram at Lombardi's Legends. Uh, we're usually on around uh, 8 p.m., although uh, just stay tuned uh, for a story or announcement on Instagram or Twitter. We'll let you know about what time we'll be on. So that's a great way to jump on with us, join us, uh, give us your questions, give us your feedback. We love interacting with you guys. So uh, that's kind of the plan uh, for us for this season. Instagram Live for post game. Uh, on Sundays, uh, or if they're playing on a Monday night or a Thursday night, uh, and then we'll be on the podcast here once a week for the the weekly preview episode. So um, uh, continue to check us out uh, on social media. Keep engaging with us, and uh, Dane, give us give get that uh, Cheesehead Hotline number for everyone as well. Yeah, call us six zero eight two eight five two one two eight again six zero eight two eight five Two one two eight. If you have any questions, comments uh, before the game, after the game, we always like hearing from you. Um, sometimes we'll even play it, answer the questions uh, live here on our podcast. So please engage there. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, uh, iTunes. Uh, you can find us. Google. Uh, we're all over the place for our podcast. So please and please rate us as well. We've got a five star rating, Wags. I want to keep that five star rating. Uh, we love doing this Packer podcast so so much. Yeah. Uh, so thanks everyone for following along, listening, engaging with us. Um, we got this off to a great start in week one against the hated Vikings. Uh, so I was so happy after the game, and it's just carried into being such a, a great week here. Uh, so uh, let's keep that momentum going here in week two against Detroit. Uh, thanks, everyone, and say it with us. Go Pack Go! Pack, go. go.